This podcast is brought to you by Scribe, a financial content agency. Just because your financial company and what you do is complex doesn't mean your content marketing has to be. Scribe produces blogs, articles, website and product copy, ebooks, pitch decks, and white papers for everyone from late stage fintech startups to the world's biggest banks and financial brands. Visit us at the Scribe Online. That's www.thescri.be. This is Stream It or Leave It. I like it a lot. Looking for something to watch? You have my undivided attention. We break down the best of streaming TV. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So you can stop scrolling and press play. We talk, we hook up, I smoke them up and watch TV. It's great. Uh, Tune in each week for our take. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. And now, action. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. And don't call me Shirley. Welcome to Stream It or Leave It. I'm Shindy with my co-hosts, Jeff and Matt. And this week, we are talking about the very buzzy show (laughs) on Showtime. In fact, it's the second most streamed show on Showtime. We're talking about Yellow Jackets. According to IMDb, Yellow Jackets is about a wildly talented high school girl soccer team who become the unlucky survivors... Lucky or unlucky, remains to be seen. Survivors of a plane crash deep in the Canadian wilderness. So before we get into that, what have you guys been watching this week? I've been pretty busy lately, so I don't have a massive amount to report. What I have been doing is I've continued watching Only Murders in the Building, which continues to be delightful. I think we spoke about that the other day. And I've been rationing the wonderful Pen15 we're coming up to the final episode, <laughs> as Jeff keeps saying, uh, it's been a fantastic second season. So we're facing that TV series void yet again pretty soon, that emptiness <laughs> of finishing an amazing series. But we have How To Season 2 lined up to fill that hole. And I've also been semi-grudgingly watching The Book of Boba Fett, the latest Star Wars series on Disney+. Plus. And it's been a little bit pedestrian. I don't think I can quite recommend it, but I kind of feel I have to watch it. So uh, there's a whole conversation to be had about what they're doing to these franchises on TV, but that's for another time. So that's me. You mean How To with John Wilson, just to clarify for listeners out there. Yes. HBO Max's How To with John Wilson. The second season is awesome, by the way. It's a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoy Ah, it. Great. Yeah. It's just as wacky and weird as the first season. Yeah, it's equally weird. I feel like binging these things, but then I want to enjoy them. So yeah, take our time with that like we did with Pen15. These shows deserve it. Cool. Jeff, what have you been watching? Let's see. We watched Aziz Ansari Nightclub Comedian on Netflix. And you know, after he wasn't pretty much at all in season three of Master of None, I sort of missed the little guy and and he came back and did some stand-up at the place where he very first did a stand-up this club in New York City. So that was kind of a cool thing. And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good show. I I would I recommend it. I liked it. I felt like he was yeah. back. Oh, you saw it. You know? Yeah, I saw it. And it's quick. It's like 30 minutes. Yeah. So it was just like a flash in the pan. I guess they pull him pull in, you know, surprise guests at that nightclub or something like that and he was just happened to be there that night. So uh-huh. that's cool. He was playing such a beaten up version of himself in the last season of Master of None that uh, it's kind of sad to see. I guess it was kind of reflecting on reality somewhat. But uh, yeah, it would be nice to see him being bouncy again, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he takes it in some serious directions too, obviously, based on what's been going on, but it's still really good. His delivery is like so surprising sometimes, you know, you think he's going in one direction and he just, he gives a good punchline. Agree. Just yeah. as you think he's going to have one perspective on something, he drops yeah. like another nugget <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah. shit. <laughs> so yeah, okay. I agree with you there. What else have you been watching? We been looking at the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. <laughs> I love that title. <laughs> you know what? I let that play in the background when I was putting shelves up this past week. Yeah. <laughs> that good, eh? Well, I kind of took it at face value because it's short, right? It's a little limited series, like what, eight, yeah. ten episodes? Yeah, I think it's ten. And also short and sweet. Like each episode's yeah. getting short as well. But I don't know. What do you think? And I haven't finished it yet. I still have the last episode. So I don't want to do any spoilers and I don't really know what happens. But if I can put it in this way, it's like almost like watching some Hallmark movie. You know, there's parts of this that are so over the top, either cheesy, delusional, and it plays on your sort of sense of reality, which I think is genius. And Kristen Bell, at first I thought, she's a comedian. Like, she's funny. Like, it's a very serious subject and people are dying all over the place. And so <laughs> it's like... Sounds serious. Yeah, like there's some heavy themes going on. But at the same time, it reminds me in a way of what we get in Yellow Jackets with this tongue-in-cheek thing that happens through that series. But yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like... <laughs> well, it sets the tone with the title. Yeah. Right. It better be a comedy. The t Yeah, totally. It's a dark comedy because there are it's some parts dark. where... Yeah, it's definitely a dark comedy. It goes there with some of the seriousness, but then there are enough comedic elements where you're yeah. like, okay, this is like a dark comedy. The, <laughs> the, the sex scene I thought was particularly hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so over the top stupid, but... <laughs> It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's obviously, we're fun. not going to give it away, but... So, yes, I should watch it. Definitely. We should yeah. watch it. The listeners should watch it. Yeah, for sure. I think so. It's not too long. And, Matt, for you, I think you could probably get through it pretty quickly. You know? <laughs> it's easy. Is that it, Jeff? That's it. That's all I got. Cool. There's all sorts of new stuff out there. Well, actually, Matt, based on your recommendation for The Last Duel, I watched it, and I thought it was fantastic. I was very impressed. Great. Uh, Ridley Scott, I felt, did a really great job. I thought the three different stories, it had that whole affair vibe. And I'm not talking about the storyline. I'm talking about the affair on Showtime. Different viewpoints. Yeah, exactly. Stories from different perspectives, which I thought was great. And I thought the acting was wonderful. Nice to see Matt Damon in a completely sort of different role where he usually plays like a likable character. So it was nice to see him sort of struggling, you know, like somebody who's, you know. He's, it was a good character. It was an yeah, interesting character. And Ben Affleck had good. a fun role as well. You don't often yeah. see Ben Affleck having this much fun. That's true. I also enjoyed. Sad Ben Affleck no more. <laughs> he wasn't. He was like a total douchebag in this film. <laughs> but that was fun. I also managed to watch Spencer, just mostly for. Oh, I want to watch that. For Kristen Stewart. She wow. is great, and I understand why she's getting nominated for these awards, but the rest of the movie is, is as they would say, utter rubbish. Oh. I mean, they make poor Princess Diana seem like like mentally unstable the whole film. 
And it's just very disappointing. Well, did you watch Jackie? Yeah, it's by the same director. Right. He does some really great work. He's this Chilean director. I've I've watched, I think, three of his previous movies, and they're all really, really great. He does a lot with the material that he gets. And I thought Jackie was very watchable. I was kind of... I have my trepidations about this, but I was hoping we could pull it off again. But uh, if you didn't like it, I'll probably struggle to like it. You're more into purity things than I am. It doesn't even feel like a purity thing. I'm a fan of Princess Diana. I like the royal family in that whole era. And I just see what he did with it was very disappointing because it painted her in this image like she's like a helpless little deer. And that's kind of what she was trying to avoid her whole life to be portrayed in this way. So it's disappointing. But Kristen Stewart obviously does a great job. Aside from that, period pieces are my thing. So I started The Gilded Age on HBO Max. (laughs) New Julian Fellows show. Obviously, he did Downton Abbey. So far, it's like two episodes in. I've only seen the first one, but it's very good. Lots of talent. You have these great Tony Award-winning actors, actresses, very strong roles in the first episode. I think you're introduced to like 40 different characters. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And I just love that whole period of American history. If you happen to listen to the Hollywood Reporters podcast, Julian Fellows is on. And he talks about this where the Gilded Age was very much like, you know, the Vanderbilts versus the Astors. It's very much like today where you have the billionaire wars between like Bezos versus Branson. (laughs) So, anyway, maybe you guys will get to see some of that stuff. Matt's like going, eh, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. That was me doing a Larry David. Yeah. <laughs> You're not into period pieces, Matt? I'm sure it's fantastic. Oh, it does not appeal to me at all. It. There's limited time, endless content. It's true. Occasionally venture out, particularly if it's a recommendation from you guys, but... uh Need to keep things I love moving. all of that shit. Love all of it. I could go down a Vanderbilt rabbit hole for ages. I like know every <laughs> random fact about the Commodore and Alva. And anyway, so back to Yellow Jackets. How did we come upon this? Why did we pick it for this week? I think it started with you, Matt, right? Yeah, like you said before, and thank you for stealing my ingenious pun. It was very buzzy. I know it took me a while to come up with that one. Uh, it came from out of nowhere. All of a sudden, everybody was talking about it. Critics were going crazy. I think it was 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And mm-hmm. shows don't usually stay up there, maybe after a week or two. And it kept up there. And I thought, can it really be that good? It kind of took over the conversation from Succession, the way that the Squid Game did, which is very impressive for Showtime to do. You know, I don't know when was the last time they were in the conversation. And for it to be something not based in existing IP, I just thought, okay, let's see what this is about. The concept as you said, it was so generic. It was this mixture of lost and alive that I thought the writing must be really great for people to be so excited about this. I decided to check it out. Very cool. Yeah, I think Jeff started watching and then you guys were like gabbing about it and then <laughs> then the buzz just kept growing. Very cool. I have to say, I kind of had a little bit on background for a little while there. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we'll get into why that happened. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how it got going for me. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the show is a mix of present day. And in the past, it's all the 90s. And so the show does a great job of transporting us back into the 90s. And just like how Stranger Things does with the 80s, this show does very well with the 90s. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the obvious things that that helps viewers go back to that era is the music. But anytime you hear 
Portis Head and Mazzy Star and then that Republica song. Oh my gosh, it was so definitely took me back. And you know, the other hits of the air, I think like Shoop. Salt and pepper shoop. <laughs> and then like Montel Jordan, this is how we do it. Yeah. That, <laughs> they were dancing all that. Out of all those songs, did you have a favorite song or is, was there like a 90s nostalgia song that was missing from this? The one that made me smile was Today by Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, yeah. Big fan of Smashing Pumpkins back in the day. Republica made me smile for different reasons. I tragically saw them live with some friends at a festival. <laughs> And they were opening the main stage of Glastonbury Festival at like 11 a.m. Everybody was muddy. Everybody was cold. And they were terrible. And I think the singer had her flies open. And uh, yeah, that song makes me laugh for other reasons. That's so funny. That's awesome. Yeah. When they started playing today. True. Oh, man. That song is such a hit. Such a nice hit. What about you, Jeff? Yeah. Throwing Muses, PJ Harvey, Jane's Addiction, Dinosaur Jr., of course. The Prodigy's, mm-hmm. you know, big hit. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the Tune Find soundtrack listing for this show because it's oh. so good and it's so extensive. So that'll be a lot of fun after the show. They got every song in there. I don't think there's anything we can name that wasn't in there. They got every yeah, song true. from the 90s. I think the creators yeah. were talking about how they just put their wish list and everything just go, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And they just couldn't believe it. It's well done to them. That's pretty awesome. Well, and obviously the cast... Also brings you back to the 90s. And so because the show sort of crosses the present versus the past, there are some characters who are present day versions of their younger selves. And Mm -hmm. I guess we can look at some of the cast because you have some of these stars from the 90s, like Juliette Lewis is an older character of a one of the girls who's, you know, in the plane crash. And then Christina Ricci, also one of those actresses who was big back in the day, made her big-time role with Wednesday Addams and the Addams Family. I think that was like her introduction to Hollywood, right? Yeah, and she was incredible. No, it was... Um, no, it wasn't. It was... Um, the movie with Cher. Mermaids? Breakout role, though, was Wednesday. Interview with a vampire. No, that was Kirsten Dunst. That's Kirsten Dunst, yeah. Kirsten Dunst? Kirsten. 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 Jillian Hall? Kirsten. Jillian Hall. <laughs> every show. Gotta gotta mention Jill and Hall. <laughs> but yeah, when you think of the 90s and big actresses in the 90s, Juliette Luce is definitely one of them, as is Christina Ricci. What'd you guys think of the cast? Any notable other cast members? I thought the casting was one of my favorite parts. There's like you say, Juliette Lewis and Ricci are great throwbacks to the 90s. It really fits in with the storyline and you know, the 90s is just through the DNA of this show. You know, the themes take me back to Lost the X-Files, the Blair Witch Project. And then the cast, again, takes you back to the 90s. And the fact that we haven't seen Juliette Lewis or Christina Ricci, maybe since the 90s, when they show up as the current day version of these characters from the 90s, you think, wow, where have these guys been all this time? It just really fits in with the storyline. But the one thing on the counterpoint, I thought that they clearly ran out of their budget uh, for the male actors because, (laughs) and you pointed out the name of the actors, but Adam... Played by Peter Gadiot, is it? I guess. Yeah, you're right. He's not like a... Well, maybe this is his breakout role, but he's definitely not a known person. I'm sorry. He's just not very good to me. And I just saw him. I thought, okay, this is a C-rate Garrett Headland. I mean, that's what they're going for. They ran out of the budget. And then you got Jeff, (laughs) who is a D-rate Jason Bateman to me. If this was, you know, (laughs) a Netflix series where the men were leading the show, that would be Jason Bateman. (laughs) 
They couldn't I guess. get Jason. Not stream it or leave it, Jeff, but Jeff and the show. Yeah. yeah you know exactly. what's funny, Matt, is that I thought Adam kind of looked like you. <laughs> Adam in the show. You know. I would be the B list version of that character. <laughs> I thought Adam was a good character. I would give Garrett the A list. Oh, Garrett's hot. Yeah, Garrett Hedlund is like, phew. Yeah, <laughs> anybody would be happy to have him as a cast member. But Adam, I thought, was, um, it was a nice casting. Like, he's, you know, sexy. And I liked that he was, like, an unknown because I felt like it would have been too much. Like, the balance between people you recognize and didn't recognize, I thought they did a good job with this show on that. So Adam, I thought, was a good casting. I think it fits into another theme that we get into, just the fact that, women are front and center in the show yeah. and the men are kind of sidelined mm -hmm. and there is obviously ups and downs about that. But I also thought what was interesting is I thought they just did a really great job in casting older versions of these younger characters, Shauna in particular. I look at the young Shauna and I can just see her growing up to be, you know, Melanie Linsky. I mean, it's incredible. Do you guys like the relationship between the older and younger? For the most part, I did. I didn't think Juliette Lewis's younger character was spot on, but I could see most of them. I think the thing that saved it was everybody's performance is great. Like everybody just is great. Even the bumbling male characters, which is an obvious sort of script flipped, which I loved about this thing. And I think that may be why everybody is sort of talking about it and may not even know why in some ways, because it's really flipped around and playing with these traditional gender stereotypes and putting the men in that position of like, we don't know what to do and like screwing up everything and bumbling through the show where the women are like just the dominant ones. Yeah. Yeah. Very in control and like and getting things done. Getting things done, coming up with the ideas. Like, it's a total turnaround. Uh, all it is is portraying real life. What are you talking exactly. about? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean, a turnaround from, like, typical <laughs> Showtime stereotypes. <laughs> Other, You know what I mean? <laughs> I think we know what you mean. I was thinking about how, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Bechdel test. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's um, I've heard it. You know, you, you apply that normally to movies, and it basically you need to have two female characters who are talking to each other about something other than a male character. And most movies don't pass that test. And that's the reality that Jeff and that's what we're talking about. They do such a flip on that situation that I wonder how the reverse Bechdel test would perform here. But it really isn't something that bothers me because, you know, like you say, everything is usually completely the other way. So I don't have a problem with that. Although... <sighs> The consistent uselessness of every male character in this series does at some point get a little bit grating. That's quite interesting. I know you guys don't watch reality TV, but that show Selling Sunset on Netflix, it's the one that takes place in L.A. and it's mm -hmm. got the power real estate women. Read this fantastic blog about how the men in that show are the super toxic ones. It compared to these women who are like incredibly <laughs> successful, smart, beautiful, got shit going on. And it's these men on the show who are like toxic. They're the ones who aren't supportive. They're like whiny, needy, jealous. They are the ones who are like infuse the drama. So it's quite fascinating that you say that. So, you know, also interesting. How to balance feminine. Yeah. So <laughs> aside from the, you know, from the cast, was there... 
anything, and we're not going to give away the spoilers right now, but was there anything that sort of didn't work for you? Like any hang-ups in Yellow Jackets? Jeff, I'll let you go first. You know, they take a lot of advantage of our suspension of disbelief. The story is not super believable. A lot of the motives are shallow. The sort of lady of the flies connecting oh. to the mystical thing. Say what? <laughs> Instead of Lord of the Flies, I called it Lady of the Flies. Very good. I like it. Oh. <laughs> Zinger. But that aside, the setups, the performances, the flip of the gender roles, the sort of attitude and snicker behind the script and the show itself is really exciting to see. You know, it's very soap opera-y. They're dispensing clues, very, like, you know, spaced out and uh, making you wait. And, you know, we still don't know hardly anything at the end of season one. <laughs> still. True. True. <laughs> There's a lot of plates spinning right now. So, but I love that. I think it's campy. It's fun. I'm really enjoying it, despite the nice. shortfalls in the script. Matt, did you have any hangups? I had a couple. Like I said, I started watching this and it just didn't grab me. I thought the first episode had enough there to go, oh, this is interesting. You know, you had this true detective season one creepiness going on. It posed all these questions. Somebody appears to die. There's obviously things in the island in the 90s, uh, plane crash, timeline descend into something quite wild and with hints of cannibalism. So you're kind of curious about that, but... The present day storyline to me was pretty dull and pedestrian. So as that went along and it was kind of out of balance with the overall vibe, you know, anything that was dark in the current day timeline to try, I guess, fit into the vibes of the 90s timeline felt really quite forced. So I kind of got tired of it fairly quickly. And as I said, I stepped back and then I had it on the background for a little while. And eventually towards the end, you know, it kind of got interesting again. For me, the current day storylines were quite weak. They felt quite forced. They felt quite made up. Almost just, you know, we need to fill in what happens in the present day story. And I didn't feel like it gelled together very well for me. That's my biggest hang up. Got it. Yeah, it's kind of like all of the story was in the past, not not so much in the present. Yeah, in the past, I think they do a great job. You have to tell me, but it feels like the interactions between these girls are quite realistic and genuine. But the present day stuff just was just pretty boring. Yeah. Huh. Very interesting. Uh, for me, I think the biggest hang up was just that the beginning didn't come full circle by the end. And I don't think I'm giving <laughs> anything really away there. So aside from that, what did work for you guys? I think we talked about the flipping of the script, right? That was interesting. Like Jeff said, that's one of the things that kept me going is this feeling that I'm seeing something different, a different point of view. And there was this general curiosity of where is this going to go? And by the end of the series, although I don't know if it's worth devoting all those hours just for something that happens at the end, but you know, the last episode had some interesting things that make me think, okay, I, now I kind of want to keep watching it. A small detail that was interesting was how the interactions between the girls in the present day, even though the present day stuff was was full of contrived plot machinations, some blackmail stuff, some infidelity stuff. These are all just, just not very interesting these days. But I thought that the interactions between the present day versions of the girls were interesting because these girls know each other very well. 
and they have shorthands. They don't feel the need to go into the details. So it kind of preserves the mystery in a natural way. You're not thinking, well, these guys are just kind of holding back just so the audience don't know what's going on. They really wouldn't necessarily talk about what happened on the island because it traumatized them. The way the mystery is kept in the present-day timeline feels quite genuine. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you feel that the present-day story is kind of pedestrian, but I feel like that's very reflective of real life, right? I mean, affairs happen. I don't know so much about blackmail, but certainly (laughs) the boredom with matrimonial life and with married life and just always seeking, you know, you get into the day-to-day. So I feel like that was a fairly accurate reflection the most exciting thing that's happened in most of these women's lives was the event, right? Since then, and that left this indelible mark on their lives, with the exception of Thaisa, who's, you know, got a lot going on herself uh, because you know, she's running for this election. But us, everybody else sort of trying to make it day by day. And I think maybe that's what has that pedestrian quality about it because so much craziness happened. There's something to be said about that. And I think the other really interesting thing about this show is, and I think Shauna's character mentions it, that a lot of the crazy things that happen or unusual things that happen in the present day timeline, are they crazy or are they a consequence of the trauma of something that happened in in their youth? So that's a really interesting Mm -hmm. thing to explore. But I did think Thaisa's uh, political run, I just thought that was done really at such a basic and contrived level. I mean, it, it just, come on. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you kind of saw glimmers of it from when she was young. She had that leadership quality about her. But then I guess sure. the only thing they could really make for her as an adult was this character as a politician because natural born leader. Blacking out and disappearing in the middle of the night. Yeah, that was a bit <laughs> creepy. I don't know. Who who knows? That, so anyway. Is that a spoiler? I don't know. Uh-oh. Well, I mean, we might as well get there. There's also this um, prevailing theme here of the supernatural versus the religious in this show. Mm-hmm. And it's not quite obvious, which is why it's a lot of fun, is that throughout the whole <laughs> show, you're trying to guess, is somebody crazy or is this a deeper, darker force that's befallen these girls? Or is it just the work of one leader? Or maybe it's a dark force who's following one particular character. So I'm not sure about that. Jeff, what did you think about that? Because you usually have some interesting insights when it comes to the the dark forces, the dark arts. The dark arts. (laughs) Yeah, the dark arts are a lot more complicated than I think people averagely think, you know, and it's not that I practice the dark arts or anything, but definitely have studied, you know, into occultism for a long time now. But it's kind of funny because... The way that Hollywood portrays mysticism and the supernatural shows that it has very little understanding of any of it. And so I think they use it sort of more as a plot device than anything else. And with this one, it feels more like a traumatic tribal response in some way. You know, there's sort of this tribal thing going on. And it remains to be seen sort of if the theme's going to bring out what Lord of the Flies was trying to say is that we're going to immediately go to our base element, which I frankly don't believe that when bad things happen, I don't think people always go to their worst selves. I think sometimes it raises us up to our best selves, you know, trauma. Yeah. So 
There was this recent example of a story that came out last year, which has been turned into a movie about a group of kids from a Pacific island yeah. that crashed into an island, a shipwreck, and they lived there for a year and a half and they were perfectly happy and nice with each other. And yeah, yeah well, not necessarily perfectly happy, but they didn't eat each other anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't kill each other or eat each other like they did in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Lord of the Flies. Yeah, sorry, Lord, I or alive. always do that. <laughs> well, alive yeah. was different, though. They had no choice. And for the most part, they were nice to each other. They were just, yeah. you know, that was a story of survival. I was watching the younger cast members all together in an interview. And they were talking about the camaraderie that they were experiencing and how, you know, on set, they were growing their armpit and leg hair out and, like, completely supporting each other. And I think that, with this storyline, I think there would be more supportiveness <laughs> in real life. I was thinking that it feels like genuine interactions. We don't quite agree. What I thought was interesting was we don't quite know what's happening in this forest. And it could very easily be something supernatural. It could very easily be a mental illness. It could be trauma from a crash. It could be from the things they're eating. They could be seeing things. Or it could just be down to religion. You see something, you believe it might be something else. So I think it's probably one of the most sophisticated aspects of the show is playing with that. True. And I'm really interested to see where that's going to go. And I think we can safely say that towards the end of the first season, you start seeing the girls devolving into what we saw glimmers of in the first episode and how they do that. And how they play with these concepts, I thought it was really well done. And that's what makes me think, okay, I'm going to give it a season two and a chance and see where this goes. And that's actually a great yeah. point because personal interpretation, if you're a religious person and you see something happen, you have right. a completely different interpretation than someone who is, say, a mystic or someone who's an agnostic. or And it all depends on your background and that kind of thing. So basically, are they tripping on shrooms or are they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like we're not sure if a... They're all just streaming or... Totally agree. Or if yeah. the White Walkers are going to come out or like... <laughs> <laughs> the Children of the Corn or... Special crossover event, HBO shows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but the one thing that hangs over it for me, again, I don't think it's a spoiler, but would it happen? I just can't get over the fact that these girls from a very well-to-do families would be left in this place for a year and a half. This is not the 50s. This is not the Andes. I guess this feeds into the supernatural at some point, but to me, that feels implausible. I don't know. What do you guys Who think? Knows? Does this take you away from it? Because to me, I kind of struggle to get over that fact. I guess we'll never know. You have to set aside like, okay, just build a fire with some wet leaves and make it really smoky in one spot. You know, a fire tower spot lookout will see you. And you know what I mean? Like, I think it depends on where they land. Just follow the track of the plane and then look for a big clearing in the forest where the plane came down, you know, and, and destroyed a bunch of trees. I just don't think that you can say that, though. You've never been. Yeah, and we don't crash. know. How would you know? Exactly. And we don't know if it's like a supernatural element, like lost. Like, we don't know. Well, if there's yeah. a supernatural element, that's what I'm saying. That, to me, seems like the explanation. Right. But, you know, one of the girls was rich enough that her dad got them a plane to go on this trip. Is he not rich enough to form an air rescue effort? <laughs> We just don't know. Maybe it's one of those situations where it wasn't accessible, like the area, right? It's like an alive. It's not like they didn't try to find that football team in the, what was it? In yeah, but this mountains. is the Andes. This is a forest. Yeah. 
Well, still. <laughs> with a big yeah. river going through it. <laughs> True. <laughs> no, but... A plane flew over it because it fell into it. So Maybe that's your big hang-up, but I don't know. I wonder if they're going to resolve it. I think they might. I, I wonder if they're going to tie it up. I hope so. I mean, I didn't really spend that much time thinking about it. I just sort of accepted the fact that no one was going to find, you know, this is the whole premise of the show is that something happened yeah. to them. Yeah. Missy gets rid of the uh, transponder, right? The one, the thing that sends out a yeah. But And I thought, oh, that's the explanation. But then, hang on, a year and a half, you're not going to get found? <laughs> anyway, let's put a pin in it before I start spoiling things. Yeah. So at this point, I mean, I think we could tell our viewers whether they should stream or leave this so jeff stream it or leave it oh stream it okay <laughs> matt stream it or leave it i don't know i i'm gonna say leave it <laughs> if you have watched it like i did keep watching it but should you spend 10 hours on it <laughs> i don't get why people love it so much leave it yeah i am the same with you where the first two three episodes were very interesting had me hooked and then there's that long bit, the story arcs, like you said, sort of don't compute. And it started trailing off for me a bit, got a little bored, sleepy-eyed. And then <laughs> I was ready to uh, watch the last two episodes of the season for sure. So yeah. here's where we tell you, if you've already streamed it and you want to you know, get into the nitty-gritty, the deep dive with us, then we're going to have a lot of fun because we're going to talk about all the things that we couldn't talk about before the spoiler alert. But for those of you who haven't seen this show, based on our recommendations and the fact that it's a quite popular show, it's already been renewed for season two, take a chance and go watch Yellow Jackets and come back and hang out with us for the spoiler conversation. So now let's get into the really crazy stuff. Let's get spoilery. Yeah. I mean, as we discussed, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens, but it's not even so much the mysteries as much as it is these crazy weird plot twists. So yeah. for the both of you, did any of the plots or subplots, the twists, did they sort of lose you? Did they go sideways? The bagginess of all these plot twists did bother me. You know, you have the blackmail thing, uh, which was just a pretty weak device to use, I thought. And then when they're chasing the guy down the mall, he falls into some glitter and you go, okay, so it's going to be someone they know because they're going to spot the glitter when they get home and it's going to be Adam or Jeff. And then they did a little switcheroo there, I guess. We can list out the contrivances, right? Like, But mainly for me, it was when Adam runs into Shauna in that hotel. I mean, that coincidence was just crazy for me yeah. and i thought well this means that there is something here that he's doing that is that he's involved in because he's following her and i thought well that's a massive spoiler and then the fact that it wasn't actually something it was just a coincidence ended up being even worse than a spoiler you know so i thought it was pretty bad <laughs> i thought that that was well done obviously they wanted you to suspect that adam was the one who was blackmailing her but in the end it wasn't and they had all of these devices to make him seem fishy right the fact that he didn't really go to pratt and that was kind of fun, but yeah, the blackmailing thing seemed a bit too easy. And then it was like her husband and I just felt myself sort of tapping out of that subplot. Mm -hmm. Just wasn't interested in it whatsoever. Yeah. That's when I zoomed out and just kind of had it on the background yeah. and didn't really miss too much, you Me know, too. two or three apps. And then I came in for the end, <laughs> you know, came strong for the end. And you know, the thing is, Adam was, became a big character. What did you guys think about the whole... Adam getting killed thing. 
That was just. I don't know why they keep killing people with one stab wound. I don't think that that you know about the occult and you know how to kill people with stabbing. <laughs> is, it's getting weird is there for some you. Kind of issue going on. What's up with Jeff? We, so it's not just one stab; it's two stabs. Where would you stab someone to kill them, Jeff? How do you usually do it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's the 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 knife wound to the leg in that one vein in the thigh. Yeah, the, right. you bleed them yeah. before your yeah. occult ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. There was right before weird... I put the bookmark in where I left off. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that just was so crazy was that stupid altar. Oh. I don't know. The whole Thaisa thing with the altar and the dog. And the head. creepy son. I think you mentioned the son was just so <sighs> unnecessarily Her creepy son... with the creepy doll. Yeah, this this <laughs> creepy Sammy and the creepy Sammy's doll. And he's just shy. No, he's a terrifying little <laughs> child actor. <laughs> I don't know if he's that way in real life, but I ever see that kid in real life. I'm running in the opposite direction. It's like he but he's like so- looking at his mom that way because she's up a tree staring at him through a window. Eating dirt. That might screw yeah, you up. Eating exactly. dirt. It might yeah. make you a little creepy. True. True. Uh, that's that's true. Yeah. And then also the theories, right? Because we know that in, well, we hope in season two that. They're going to reveal what happened to Shauna's baby because, you know, I didn't think that deeply into it. Obviously, Matt, I think this was one of those parts when I sort of zonked out, (laughs) didn't care. But it didn't compute to me until later when we were talking about this in like, you know, pre-show research that Shauna's daughter is not the baby who she's pregnant with in the forest. And so it's like, what happens to this baby? So that's that's going to be eventually explained, we hope, in season two. They have a lot of things to explore in season two. It's nicely mm-hmm. set up, and I guess it remains to be seen if they do it well, because you have all these background characters that are suddenly going to emerge again, and they can either do it well, or it can have this lost quality where all of a sudden these guys pop up, and you go, oh, you guys were in the island all along, and now you all of a sudden you're a main part of the plot. So uh, we'll see. But I think mm-hmm. the introduction of, of Lottie there at the end was done quite well. And uh, I think we have, during the whole show, I think... Apart from Jackie, that gets revealed quite early. You kind of don't know who survived, who didn't. And it seems mm-hmm. reasonable that the girls won't discuss in every conversation who died and who didn't. So it keeps these reasonable mystery. And now, yeah, let's see. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens in the next season. Going back to your talk about the religious aspect, they did have the one super religious character, right. the girl who mm-hmm. flies the plane. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that was an interesting Straight twist. To because I was really rooting for her to get off that. I guess, island, forest, whatever it was. So mm-hmm. how do you explain that? Is there a supernatural element or was there just a, you know, a cockpit malfunction with the plane? Or did somebody sabotage it? True. Right. Uh, little side note, that character wasn't supposed to be in the entire series. I think she was supposed to be just in the first episode, but the uh, the creators really liked the actress and then developed her storyline. Hmm. And back to the subject oh, of contrivances, the soccer injury never would have happened. You can yes. get a bone popping out of a yes. little tackle like that. I, I'm i the soccer expert here. I'm wearing my soccer shirt for those who are not watching us. Um, <laughs> football? Yes, football. Thank you. I've yeah, gone man. to American. Call it. Yeah, that was like a little love tap. Right. And then all of a sudden the bone's <laughs> popping out. It's like, could they not have filmed that or done some CGI to make it look pretty extreme? That was a big warning sign for me at the beginning where I thought, okay, this might be a little forced. 
turned out it was to <laughs> some degrees. Yeah, it yeah. was unfortunate. It wasn't necessary. Didn't have mm-hmm. to go that far. Other hangups I couldn't explain in the pre-spoiler was mm. when Sean is trailing Jeff. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> it's like if you see your own fucking car behind you yeah. with your wife driving, you would know if she's right yeah. behind you. You'd be like, and I just, oh, I know. I'd be waving like, hey. He's a useless man. He doesn't, he's not paying attention. He doesn't know what's going yeah, on. Sure. He's, an, he's idiot. an idiot. He's like a bumbling right. fool. He's too busy blackmailing. He's a man. What does he know? When um, Nat sleeps with Kevin and she's like right. out all night, you know, just, <laughs> and he doesn't notice. Come on. It's like, I'm sorry, but what are you like? Did you take a sleeping pill? You don't realize that somebody's been out the whole night and comes back into the room. You're like, ugh. You don't notice that somebody's And Misty putting the Porsche cable in her her glove compartment. I mean, it's just... Christina Ricci playing Misty look like somebody who's trying to play an old person, like a granny, but it's a bad wig and glasses. Something like that. Just didn't work. It goes back to childhood trauma. Everything's believable here. (laughs) Remember when Scream came out? how like campy all the murders were and like it was just dopey like they were dying in all these stupid ways but that was, was deliberate though because because scream was cheeky <laughs> but scream is still one of the like strangest horror movies like it's uh, like unnerving in in some ways in parts of it and so like it does this sort of effective bait and switch or something you know like they set you up with some tongue-in-cheek sort of like gag and then i don't know i mean maybe they were attempting camp but i i, I don't know you know that's just what i that's one of the things i, I didn't think of. this was campy at all i don't know i no? didn't see i didn't get that vibe because oh. i feel like melanie linsky especially like she's well and juliette lewis well i mean all of the mm. sort of older characters have this kind of sarcasm and maybe that's the trauma speaking or something like that. Maybe that's how they're playing it. But I didn't catch that as much, but I do think that Juliette Lewis does have this really odd quality about her that to this day, I don't know if she's a terrible actress or if she's really natural and a great actress. I still don't know. Can you guys tell me, <laughs> is she a good actress or is she a terrible actress? Uh, you know, I think she's just always been cast as these... Um... Wild. Yeah, bad girl, rough around the edges, very outlandish, eccentric characters. And maybe she's that way in real life. But I I haven't seen enough of her in interviews to know whether she's really like an oddball or if she just does these kinds of characters really well. So who knows? Interesting question, though. With that said, the biggest mystery is we know that Jackie's dead, so she's not going to come back in season two as an adult. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Some Who people knows? thought it might be all a dream. Maybe How supernatural is it? She's going to come back as the bear. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's a necromancer in the building someplace. Yeah. Who knows? But I did listen to a talk with the showrunners who said if she comes back, it's going to be in the form of like a vision or a ghost or something like that. Mm. So, and I love Ella Purnell. Like I thought she was great in that role, but. Lottie is the mystery and the showrunners were saying there have been so many people who have suggested who their ideal person to play Lottie would be. So tapping back on our conversation on the embodiment of 90s actresses, who do you guys want to play Lottie? Matt, go ahead. It has to be Liv Tyler. She is the 90s. Excellent choice. All right. How about you, Shindy? Oh my gosh. I think Shannon Sossaman. Do you guys remember oh. Shannon Sossaman? Oh yeah, I remember her. Rules of Attraction? 
Do you know why? She's got that odd thing about yeah, her. Yeah, gorgeous. gorgeous with that exactly. edgy, edgy thing about her. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good call. That's why I think I like Shannon Sossman. But the other thing too is Lottie's a hard one because I couldn't figure out if she was like had that Latina vibe or if she was like half Asian. But mm-hmm. I was trying to think of actresses who had that dark brunette. It looks dead Nice on. almond yeah. eyes. And, and I felt like Shannon Sossman sort of looked like her the yeah. most. So who knows? Jeff, who do you think? Parker Posey. <gasps> oh, but that's a great that's one. That's true. I think we nailed it. I think any of ours would be pretty great. So if you're listening, uh, producers. Parker Posey. Done your job for you. <laughs> Parker Posey would be a good one, but I I thought she also was like one click out of the '90s and sort of more, yeah. No, maybe she's more 2000s for me. The aughts. The aughts. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Any of those choices could be good. All right. Well, that I think wraps up our discussion of Yellow Jackets. We hope you had a great time with us. As always, if you want to see more and hear more, then please subscribe to the show and add a glowing review. It really helps us out. Our channels are in the show notes, but you can also find us on social media at Stream It, Leave It on Instagram and TikTok and at Stream underscore Leave on Twitter. Our full show notes are also in our Substack newsletter. If you subscribe there, then you'll get an email each time we publish a new show. And we're coming soon to YouTube. Thank you all for listening. We hope to see you next week. Bye. Bye, everybody. That's our show. Are you not entertained? What did you think? Pretty pretty good. Don't forget to subscribe and find, like, and follow us on social and on YouTube. We don't have faces for radio. Promise. You can't handle the truth. You can also find our show notes on Substack at Stream It or Leave It. See you next time. And thanks for tuning in.